This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the best old-time radio podcast for Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. On Wednesdays, we play an old-time radio mystery, and that's exactly what we have in line for you today to listen to. So why don't you take a minute to unwind, get over there in that big easy chair, maybe get yourself a little refreshment, get your feet up, and let the cares of the day drift away, because we are going to come right back at you with this week's Old Time Radio Mystery. Texas Rangers, which is really a good show. And I've often said this before, I don't know why I like this show so much. It's just that it's entertaining. And it always kind of keeps me second guessing. Joel McRae, of course, plays Texas Ranger Jace Pearson. And he's a boring character. He never has much enthusiasm in his voice. He never gets excited, but I don't know. It just his cold logic. I just have always liked this show. And this show always had pretty much an ensemble cast. And tonight we have some of the regulars. We have Tony Barreth, Byron Kane, B.J. Thompson, Lou Krugman, Russell Simpson. Parley Bear is often in these. Um, two or three others I'd have to think about. But of course, Joel McRae plays the lead. And I started listening to this show many years ago, but... But about every year, I will pull out the episodes and listen to them again. And I've just been in the process of doing that. And I just totally enjoy them all over again. So I hope you agree with me. So on this one, we're going back to August the 5th in 1950. And the name of this episode is Quicksilver. And it deals with the uh, murder of a a rancher and his wife and 10-year-old child. 
and just watch the cold logic with which Jace Pearson puts together all the clues and gets his killer in the end. Here we go. Wheaties present Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. On stage tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another in the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the oldest and most famous law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Quicksilver. on the night of May 22nd, 1947, the Stockholm Ranch, located in the middle of Carson County, Texas, was darkened for the night when the occupants were awakened by the barking of a dog. Jim? Jim, wake up. Hmm? Uh, What's the matter, Flo? You hear Jeep bark? Well, kind of. I was half asleep. It's funny. He barked and then shut up real fast. He might have took off after oh, something. He kept on barking then. It sounded like uh, he was... Be quiet a second. See? Don't hear him anymore. Yeah. What are you going to do? I'm going to take a look see. It ain't like Jeep to bark at nothing, then shut up. Jim, Jim. Hmm? What's the matter? I... Jim, somebody came in the house. Oh, you probably just heard the kid tossing in his sleep. No, I... I got a funny feeling. All right, I'll put on a light and have a look. I'm coming along. I want to go and see if anything... On May 29, 1947, the bodies of Jim and Flo Stockholm and their 10-year-old son, Carl, were discovered by a playmate of Carl's. Sheriff Lockins notified the Texas Rangers, and Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. Place is just like it was, Jace. Excepting for the bodies. Kind of a mess, isn't it, Sheriff? Yeah. All three of them in their night clothes, you said. Yeah. This here is Jim and Flo's bedroom. I see. Bed clothes must up. Whoever did the killing woke him up. Likely the dog woke him. Oh, yeah. Jeep, you said. Found him dead a piece from the house. Clubbed over the head. Uh-huh. Okay, let's say Flo and Jim Stockholm were awakened by the dog. Jim would get up to see what was the matter. Flo went with him probably to see if the kid Carl was okay. He didn't get no further than uh, in this room here, right outside the bedroom. Yeah, all three of them. Funny Jim Stockholm didn't have a gun. Yeah, if he thought somebody was in a house or prowling around outside, he'd have grabbed his gun. Unless something stopped him. What are you thinking about, Jace? Just that the killer might have got in Carl's room. That's right over here. Uh-huh. Maybe Carl spotted the killer, hollered, and that'd make both Jim and Flo jump fast. Yeah. Jim wouldn't 
think of grabbing his gun. This window here has been jimmied up. You see that? Yeah. I guess you're right. Killer coming this way. Kids saw him. Yelled. Tried to get out. Got as far as the room out here. Uh-huh. There's what they were killed with, Jason. Flat iron. An old-fashioned flat iron. Yeah, used as a doorstop. Killer grabbed it and used it. Wonder why he didn't shoot. How far away is the next ranch, Sheriff? Six miles at least. Why? Yeah, just figuring maybe the killer didn't want to risk the noise of shots. Must have picked up the flat iron. Why, he killed the little kid, too. Didn't want anybody to be able to identify him. Yeah, likely. Well, what now, Jase? I'd like to fine comb this house for fingerprints. Meantime, I got a few things I'd like you to find out in town. There were no fingerprints anywhere, except those we knew were of the murdered people. The motive for the crime was robbery. Jim Stockholm kept fairly large sums of money on hand to pay cash for whatever he bought. We didn't find a penny in the house. The whole thing looked hopeless. Like the sheriff said when he came back to the Stockholm ranch. Yeah, the coroner can't give us much, Jase. Ain't no way of telling how long they've been dead. If we could find out what day the murders were committed, we'd have something. Not much, but something. Yeah, but how? How are you going to find that out? Nobody saw the Stockholms before they were killed? For sure. Jim went into town on the 22nd week ago. Out here, if nobody sees his neighbor for a week, ain't nothing thought about it. So the murders could have been committed any time between the 22nd and the day the bodies were discovered. That's the way it sizes up, Jase. Killer's got at least a week to make tracks for... Well, Texas is big. Uh-huh. Uh, Sheriff, that fence there, hmm? near the corral. Well, that's a hog pen. It's... Hey, the hogs are gone. Yeah, busted through. Come on. I never noticed it before. I never thought about looking for the hogs. Who would? Well, look here, Sheriff, where the fence is busted through. Look at these. Here. Hog bristles. Lots of them. Caught on the broken part of the rail. Hogs broke out and pushed through here. Yeah, but look at here, Jase. What's it got to do with what we're after? What made these hogs go wild and break out? It's my guess they got awful hungry. Sure. And went looking for something to eat. Come on. We're going to the barn and take a look at the hog feed. Then we're going into town. found three sacks of hog feed in the barn. Two of them were full, unopened. The third had just about enough mash taken out for one feeding. Sheriff Larkins and I went into town. Then the sheriff asked a few questions I wanted answered, and I checked at the feed store. Sure, Jim Stockholm bought all his feed in here, Ranger. You remember when he was in last, ma'am? Bet I do. It's the last time anybody saw him. The 22nd? That's it. What'd he buy? Mm, Three sacks of hog mash. Got all the information you wanted, Jason. Thanks, Sheriff. Now, ma'am, is there anything else you can remember about that day? Stockholm seemed troubled or anything? No, just stopped in for a minute. All he said was he had to get back with the mash. He was all out. Are you sure of that? Just as sure as I'm standing here. And you're sure it was the 22nd? I can make it real sure, Ranger. Got all my sales in this book. Let's see. 25th. Yeah, here it is. 22nd. Three sacks of hog mash to Jim Stockholm. 
Thank you, ma'am. Let's go, Sheriff. Sure welcome, Ranger. You helped a lot. What have you got, Jason? The Stockholms were killed on the 22nd. How do you know? Jim Stockholm bought these three sacks of feed on the 22nd. He said he was all out at the ranch. He had to get home and feed the hogs. We found two of the bags unopened. Yeah, and the third with only about enough mash out of it to give the hogs one meal. Which means he fed the hogs on the 22nd, but he didn't the next day or the next. Because he was dead. That's it. Now we got a lot of checking to do, and it's all going to hinge around the 22nd. questioned everybody, but it all added up to a big round zero. Everybody knew Jim Stockholm and liked him. He didn't have an enemy. Everyone we questioned could account for his time on the 22nd. Nobody'd seen a stranger in town. So I played a hunch. Sheriff Larkins and I rode over to the Stockholm ranch trying to pick up anything. Then about eight miles north of the ranch, we got a break. Hey, Chase! Chase! Yeah, Sheriff? Here, will you? What do you got, Sheriff? I don't know. Looks like ashes. Empty bean can there, too. Uh Uh-huh. Looks like somebody cooked himself a meal here. Horses tracks around here, too. One horse. Yeah. Like they might be about a week old. Might not mean a thing, Jace. Could be anybody's horse. Sure could, but nobody in town saw a stranger. Little town like that, people notice a stranger right away. But if a man came riding from this direction, chances are nobody'd see him. Still could be anybody. I know. I'm going to take a real close look. Okay, I'll cover this part. Good. Sheriff, come here. Get something? I think so. Look. Tied his horse to this mesquite. See? The horse stood here, a piece of mesquite broken off. Oh, and here's something else. Take a look. Dirt. Just ordinary earth. Take a good look. It's different from the earth around here. It sure is. Different color and different texture. Sheriff, I got a hunch this dirt scraped off a boot when he got back in the saddle. Scraped off by a stirrup. Here's a bigger hunk of it. Yeah, reddish color. You ever see dirt like this around here? No. That hunk's got a funny shape. Packed in against the instep of a boot, it'd take this shape. You had any rain around here lately? Dry as a bone. There's only one way earth packs up in an instep if it's wet. Man who left this couldn't have come far. Come on. Let's see if we can find a couple of his footprints. We picked up a few prints. I took their measurements. Then we went back into town. I asked some more questions. Meantime, I sent the earth samples to the lab for analysis. And by the time I got back to my headquarters, Captain Stinson had the report. Looks like this earth came from southwest Wheeler County, Jace. At least the lab thinks so. Wheeler County southwest, well, it kind of fits, Captain. Fits what? That part of Wheeler County is not far from Stockholm Ranch. No, it isn't. Just about as far as it would take wet earth to dry out and get hard enough to scrape off a man's boot. Yeah, I see. What else you got? Uh, A few horsehairs I picked off the mesquite bush. Looks like the fellow was riding a sorrel. Something else. Plastic cast of his boot prints. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big boot. Big man. Maybe six, two or three. You're right. 
But there are no fingerprints. There's no real evidence. This fellow whose boot prints you got, he might have been anybody. Might never have gone near the Stockholm ranch. Yeah, I know that, Captain. You didn't pick up any of his boot prints around the house, did you? No, place was pretty messed up. A lot of people got there before I did. Yeah, that's one break a criminal always gets. If only people would stay away. If only they'd have enough sense to realize. I'm sure, but they don't. They don't mean any harm, though. Okay, what's next? Look for a man six feet two or three riding a sorrel? I'd like to, Captain. Starting where? <laughs> well, Texas, I guess. <laughs> I kicked around for a few days, covering all the ground I could between the Stockholm Ranch and Wheeler County, and then I reported back to Captain Stinson. Kind of picked up something interesting, Captain. Like what, Jace? Weather reports. Here's a map of Wheeler County. The places I've marked in red had rain within the last three weeks. Oh? Well, what about it? Well, this place. Right here. The only spot of the marked places that'll show the same kind of earth we had analyzed. I checked. Mm-hmm. So it's narrowed down to that. But you can't arrest a man just because he happened to be in a place where it rained. I know I'm working on a shoestring, but there's no other lead, nothing. Might be I'll hit a stone wall or pick up some poke who just happened to pass through the spot where we found the Prince of Earth, but it's a chance, Cap, the only one. Well, suppose you chased down that lead in Wheeler County and your man's gone. Oh, I don't expect to find him there. He left there and landed at Stockholm Ranch, maybe. And left no fingerprints. There's not a single piece of evidence. It's still the only lead. You want to stick to Wheeler County, huh? That's about it, Captain. Maybe pick up a description of a possible suspect. Well, where'll you start? Well, here's what I think. The man we're looking for is a drifter. Maybe a poke that picks up work here and there where he can get it. The fact that he ate a can of beans and cooked it himself means he didn't have a nickel to buy a decent meal, even though he was near a town. That kind's usually a drifter. Made a buck here and a nickel there. You see what I mean? All right, Jace. Play the hunch. But if the lead peters out... I'm hoping it won't. See you later. Are you keeping touch? Yeah. Radio or phone. So long. A little while later, I was in Wheeler County, southwest. I checked one ranch after another, some big, some small. What I wanted to know was, had anyone seen a man about six, two, or three? A man who owned a sorrel and didn't have steady work. <laughs> I once read where a man found a needle in a haystack. Did it on a bet. <laughs> well, my needle could be in any haystack. Then on the Claude Edwards ranch near Ramstall, I ran into something. Sure, I remember a poke about like that, Ranger. Big fella. Had himself a sorrel. Did he work for you, Mr. Edwards? A couple of days. Drifted in looking for something to do. I don't usually have work for more than my own hand, but this fella come in just about when I needed somebody else, and... What was his name? Um, Or Orwell. Yeah, that was it, Orwell. Now, when was he here? Oh, let me see now. That'll be around uh, the 19th, 20th. And when did he leave? He do something, Ranger? I don't know, Mr. Edwards, but I'd sure like to hear everything you know about him. Well, uh, he worked for a couple of days, then come in asking for his pay. That was uh, maybe the 22nd. Are you sure? Pretty darn sure. It's awful important. All right, I'm sure. We had a spell of rain about them. I had him mend the roof. He didn't like it none. Did he say where he was going, anything at all? Didn't say, and I didn't ask. Just handed him his pay. Saw him in town later, dropping it in a card game. Then he lit out. 
All right. Now I want the best description of him you can possibly give me. Everything you can remember. What he looked like, how he talked, acted. I'll try, Ranger. But uh, how are you going about finding him? By now, he might be clear into Mexico. Any place. I'm going to do my best, Mr. Edwards. And I'm not sure that's going to be enough. I got a description of Orwell. Six feet two, dark hair, road of sorrow, tight lipped, not too easy to get along with, black mustache. <laughs> Funny how little that people notice things unless it's something they really want to see. What description we had was sent out. Fifty false leads came through, a hundred. But every once in a while, one came through that matched something else. Captain Stinson and I talked it over. Well, maybe it is something, Jace. Look. Hmm. A hundred different leads, but there's one that shows up every so often. This one. Same description. Drifter, gambles a lot, had a dozen different jobs. There's something else, Jace. Now, look at the pattern here. Yeah, I am. This one keeps moving southwest, always away. The others jump around. The last report came from San Carlo two days ago. Mm-hmm. I'd like to mosey into San Carlo and see if I can pick up anything from there. I figure this Orwell's moving slow. He's counting on being safe by now. What if you find him? There's still not much evidence. We'd have to get a confession out of him. Nothing we've got will stick in a court. I got an idea about that. Let me try it, Captain. <laughs> San Carlo, I picked up a few more scraps about Orwell. From what I'd learned, I tried to think like the man I was trailing. Tried to figure out his next move. He gambled a lot, so every town I hit, I asked questions. Went to ranches and asked about poker games and crap games. Orwell was like Quicksilver. Yeah, he was here. Left. Uh-huh. He was there. Left after picking up a few dollars. But the pattern stayed the same. Always moving southwest. Then on the MacMallet Ranch near the New Mexico border... Orwell? Uh, you say Orwell, Ranger? That's the name. He's riding a sorrel horse. Well, I don't like to say for sure, but I, I took on a fella name of Orwell, and he did come in riding a sorrel. <laughs> as soon as he hit the bunkhouse, he'd try to shake up a poker game. Where is he now? Well, I sent him out this morning to ride fence. Stock was getting through. How long ago did he leave? Oh, three or four hours... Maybe a little more. Tell me something else. Oh, sure. What? Uh, did he have any money when he left this morning? <laughs> Funny ask about that, Ranger. Matter of fact, he touched me for a five against any pay he had coming. He uh, ought to be coming back soon now. Almost time for chow. <laughs> he touched you for five. He won't be back for chow. I'm going after him. <laughs> I followed the fence rider's trail. It was well into the afternoon when I spotted a rider up ahead. I took off my badge and stuck it in my pocket, put my guns and my waistband under my jacket, and caught up with him. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Howdy. Who are you? Name's Pearson. You're Orwell, huh? Yeah, why? The boss sent me out to look for you. Boss? Oh, boy. Yeah, foreman back at Mellet's Ranch. What for? Well, we got to get back to the north fence. You wasn't working there when I left. Just got took on. 
I guess we'd better get back to the north fence. Boss says it's important. That's so. Say, come to think of it, you're you're not even on the ranch anymore. I hit the boundary fence a piece back. All right, I got news for you, mister. I ain't riding fence. Now you take off. You see about that north fence. Huh? You mean you're quitting? Right the first time, mister. Now, so long. Hey, hey, hold it a minute. You're downright unsociable. Oh, boy, oh. You're downright nosy. Me? <laughs> I didn't mean to be. Say, you mind if I ride a piece with you? Yeah, I do. I'd kind of like company. Thought you was just took on at the Mellet's place. Seems to me you're riding wrong, mister. Ah, oh, I got no hankering for work either. Not with 500 in my jeans. 500? A poke like you with 500? <laughs> got lucky in a crap game night before last. And why'd you take the job? Oh, a man can always use a couple more bucks. Well... I guess I'll be riding on. Hey, hey, wait. Huh? Okay. I kind of like company myself. You want to ride a piece with me? It's okay. We rode on the rest of the day, and I found out Orwell was planning to head into Mexico. We bedded down early. And along toward midnight, when Orwell thought I was asleep, he raised up and moved toward me. Hey. Pearson. Pearson. You sleeping? Something you want in my saddlebag, Orwell? I thought you were sleeping. No. Don't reach for it, Orwell. I'll blow your head off. What? What are you getting so head up about? Oh, man starts to go through my saddlebags when I'm sleeping, I get touchy. I'm just looking for cigarettes. And no need for that gun. Yeah? Sure. Wasn't looking for 500, were you? You call me a crook? You name it, Orwell. <laughs> you, you are touchy. Okay, okay. Put that gun away, Pearson. You're acting like a kid. I tell you, I was just looking for cigarettes. Sure. Yes, I did maybe bust the strap. Okay, bring that saddlebag. Cigarettes are in it. Yeah, sure. Uh, left or right one? All right. Huh. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you open it this time. What you got in there? Mm, stuff. Okay. Cigarettes are wrapped up in that piece of blanket. Help yourself. Well, thanks. Uh, cigarettes in here? Feels like a ton of iron. Could be. Anything wrong, Orwell? It's a flat iron. Uh-huh. Funny thing to be carrying around. Why? I knew a man once carried around a cow skull tied to his saddle horn. Why are you carrying this? No, no. Why are you asking? Who are you? I told you. Name's Pearson. Jace Pearson. Cigarettes are there. Help yourself. I, I don't want any. Suit yourself. You mind handing me that flat iron, Orwell? Why? I just want it. Go on. Go on. Hand it to no. me. No. Hey. Hey, you're looking real pale, Orwell. You're not scared of coyotes, are you? Shut up. Iron makes a good nutcracker. Maybe I carry it for that. Shut up, I said. Go on, Orwell. Hand me the flat iron. Pick it up. It's not so heavy. It's heavy enough. 
man could pick it up like this, lift it up over his head and bring it down. Hard like that. Why not? Why, you... Orwell, stand still. Go run. Hold it, Orwell. I'm warning you. Hold it. I have to. Who are you? Pearson. Texas Rangers. <laughs> Figured I'd get caught up with. Guess we better start going, Orwell. You're not hurt too bad. Shooting by moonlight kind of spoils a man's aim. Come on, let's go. William Orwell confessed to the murders of Jim in Florence, Stockholm, and their son, Carl. On July 15, 1947, Orwell was convicted. His sentence, death in the electric chair. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of... The Texas Rangers. Joel McRae will soon be seen starring in the MGM production Stars in My Crown. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, D.J. Thompson, Byron Kane, Lou Krugman, and Russell Simpson. This story was transcribed and adapted by Russell Hughes, and the program was produced and directed by Stacey Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen on Tuesday night to the Penny Singleton Show on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Tomorrow, Sigmund Romberg conducts the Summer Symphony on NBC. From August the 5th, 1955, that was Joel McRae as Jace Pearson, Texas Ranger in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae was an interesting actor. He was born in Southern California. Says his dad, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page here, says his dad was an executive with the L.A. Gas and Electric Company. As a boy, young Joel had a paper route and delivered the L.A. Times to Cecil B. DeMille and other people in the film industry. He also had the opportunity to watch D.W. Griffith filming Intolerance. McRae graduated from Hollywood High School and then went to Pomona College, class in 1928, where he acted on the stage and took courses in drama and public speaking. And then he went on to appear regularly at the Pasadena Playhouse. Made a lot of movies in the 30s and 40s. Says even as a high school student, he was working as a stunt double. He held horses for cowboy stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. He worked as an extra, a stuntman, and a bit player from 1927 to 1928. And then he signed a contract with MGM. Made a lot of good movies in the uh, 30s and 40s. He had made a lot of really, really good films. I remember he was in Sullivan's Travels with Veronica Lake. That was a famous film. He was in Foreign Correspondent, The Palm Beach Story, uh, a number of really good films. But then he, he kind of went into these B-Westerns, and that's where I remember him as a kid. He and Randolph Scott. They always seem to be in the, the Western that either played as the second feature on, on a double feature or one that I just didn't much care about. Uh, roles like Saddle Tramp, Cattle Drive, Lone Hand, uh, Border River, Black Horse Canyon, Stranger on Horseback. I remember that one in 55. 
The Oklahoman in 57, I remember that one. Uh, Cattle Empire in 58. The Young Rounders, Sioux Nation. So a lot of those types of films. And of course, it was right about that time that he was making uh, Tales of the Texas Rangers in the uh, early, I think late 40s and early 50s. Because that show ran, was it two or three years? Uh, it says that he, McCray was uh, married for 57 years to his wife, Frances D. They married in 1933, had three sons. Said McCray was a good friend of Will Rogers. McCray recounted that the Oklahoma sage, that's Will Rogers, gave him a profound piece of advice. He said, save half of what you make and just live on the other half. He was a hard worker, had a hard work ethic, and he did save. He started buying property as early as 1933 when he purchased his first 1,000 acres in what was then an unincorporated area of eastern Ventura County. Today, it's known as Thousand Oaks, California. That was the beginning of what became a 3,000-acre spread on which McCray and his wife, Frances, lived, raised their children, and rode their horses. By the time the 1940s ended, McCrae was a multimillionaire, as much from his real estate dealings as from his movie stardom. Can you imagine that, owning 3,000 acres in Southern California? My goodness. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McCrae. going to do it for Wednesday, February the 24th, 2021. Hope you enjoyed our selection tonight. We will be back tomorrow with this week's Old Time Radio Western. So we hope that you come and join us for that. Going out tonight, I thought we'd do a little Al Martino from a song that was popular back in the mid-60s. And I just think it's a beautiful song. Maybe it sounds a little outdated, but uh, that's what this show's all about, right? This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I am so glad you met me. See you tomorrow. Nothing's quite as pretty as Mary in the morning When through a sleepy haze I see her lying there Soft as the rain that falls on summer flowers Warm as the sunlight shining on her golden hair When I wake and see her there so close beside me I want to take her in my arms
The ache is there So deep inside me And nothing's quite as pretty As Mary in the morning Chasing a rainbow In her dream so far away And when she turns to touch it I kiss her face so softly Then my Mary wakes To love another day um. And Mary's there In sunny days or stormy weather She doesn't care Cause right or wrong, the love we share, we share together. And nothing is quite as pretty as Mary in the evening, kissed by the shades of night and starlight on her head. And as we walk, I hold her close beside me All our tomorrows for a lifetime we will share 